0: Here we go. Another podcast, Femi and Ferrari, with the sports world just
1: simmering. Oh, man. What's going on? We are cranking up. We are at full (laughs) lather. No more warm-ups. We are ready for kickoff, tip-off, puck drops, anything that you might think of. Another edition, like you said, Mike, Femi and Ferrari. Make sure to subscribe, (laughs) rate, and review on Apple Podcasts iTunes, Spotify, Google Cast, all of the above. Uh, Mike, here we are, and it's the fall. Things are starting to feel kind of normal as we get into the routine of the NFL season.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. It was nice to have football back. We got a Thursday night game uh, tonight, though, one that I find very uh, uh, the low on the desirable list. But Battle of Ohio, to saying, top yeah, picks. <laughs> it's always my uh, most... Uh, the, the one I dislike the most of of, of uh, Thursday night games, but I do want to see Joe Burrow and what he can do. I hope he gets a win tonight. I do not like the Cleveland Browns, just for the record.
1: <laughs> yeah, not a Browns fan either. Uh, I can't imagine. Being not before. at all.
0: I'm yeah. sure it's
1: been a tough, uh, tough go at it since uh, the team left in '95. And this new wave iteration of the Browns has has not been not been very good. No, they, they were good in the '80s and stuff and uh, early '90s with the old iteration which are now the baltimore ravens who are really good yeah but uh yeah it's not not great to be this browns 2.0 fan
0: no that's for sure um what stood out to you week one of the nfl uh i'll
1: I'll go on a more general uh standpoint and uh, we can narrow down to seahawks here in just a bit but definitely i don't know if it's the quality of play i guess I might have just had expect- expectations that were very low, given that mm-hmm. there was no preseason, limited training camp, no mini camp no OTAs, et cetera, et cetera. But I thought the play was rather good for a week one. It looked pretty I normal. Did I mean, I think in recent years we've seen less or more and more teams going to limited preseason snaps anyways for their starters. So you typically don't see those guys get more than 20 saps. 20 snaps for an entire preseason. So mm-hmm. I thought things looked kind of normal for what week one, the typical sloppy play here and there. But if anything, looked pretty normal. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it, it did. I, I think one thing that, um, you know, there are there so many things to see the blanket of the NFL. I think the Chiefs look very good. Yes. Um, and, and they added the running back from LSU. Uh, like that offense needed any more firepower. Jesus. Um, but I I was uh, kind of sh- shocked by the Bucks not just dominating the way everybody had played that up and all the practices that Brady had done through the pandemic. Remember in the park in yeah. Tampa <laughs> and, and all these things, you would have thought that they, they'd they come out and they're just going to run the table in the NFL this year. And then the Saints just stuck it to them. And so I I just thought that was kind of, Kind of interesting. And then, you know, everybody's like, oh, what's wrong with Tom Brady? And blah, blah, blah. He's a system quarterback. This I mean, we'll we'll see what they do is they come back. The Saints are very good, right? Yeah. So um it's it's interesting.
1: Yeah, I, but, I, I uh, think I think turnovers was the story of that game. Because if you look at mm-hmm. the yardage and if even just fame, I mean my takeaway was that the Bucks are better than the Saints. I know that might be a hot take. A lot of people like the Saints. You mentioned they are very good. They're pretty consistent. I think they have a very high floor. But in terms of right. potential, if the Bucks are playing at their A game and the Saints are playing at their A game, I think the Bucks are a better team. I mean, you talk about they lost by eleven points, but they had three turnovers right there. Tom Brady throws mm-hmm. a pick six. And for the most part, that Bucks defense, especially in the second half, looked really, really impressive. That run defense, local guy, Vita Vea. Uh, he's anchoring uh, that defensive line there yeah they they are hard to move I think they said on the broadcast they have about 700 pounds or so of defensive tackle between him and Indominus Sue. and uh, you saw that because the Bucks or the Saints really struggled to get that ground game going and it really put things on Drew Brees who at this point in his career isn't really the guy he once was and is more of kind of a Game manager, which is like a four-letter word in quarterback play, but that's kind of what he's become now at age 40 or 41, whatever he is.
0: Wow, well, and, and, and lots of the older quarterbacks or two of the older quarterbacks in the league profiled in that game going, going head-to-head. Um, but what, what did you think about the Seahawks in that first game in Atlanta as, as we talk about Russell Wilson going into year number nine against against
1: Matt Ryan? Let Russ cook. That's what I thought. I think I'm tired of that already. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's funny. I am exhausted by that whole saying, But the fact that it came to fruition, and I think that's why a lot of people on social media have been really clamoring for it because this is kind of what people envisioned when you have a quarterback the caliber of Russell Wilson. And I know the Seahawks like to be balanced and they want to have a 50% run, 50% pass. But uh, as WSU coach or former WSU coach Mike Leach once said, that's uh, 50% stupid. So <laughs> the Seahawks really unleashed Russell Wilson. And I thought I heard earlier this week, and it was a great point, is that they were pretty coy about it all throughout the offseason. You know, I felt like every other week during the training camp press conferences, Pete Carroll was being asked, So what do you think about Russell Wilson and being able to unleash this offense, being a little more aggressive in the first half, letting him cook, etc.? And he was like, Oh, we're actually gonna hammer the rock after one of the mock games, you know, just kind of Right. joking about it but they never really led on to the fact that they were going to be coming out and being a more aggressive offense from the jump and not waiting to get behind in the second half where they're playing catch-up and you heard Raheem Morris earlier this week in preparation for their game against the Cowboys now he said on Monday that he was surprised and their game plan was to stop Chris Carson they weren't, they weren't worried what, about the Seattle coming out passing. He said, yeah, our game plan was to stop Chris Carson. And, you know, we weren't really prepared for Seattle to kind of look like a Kansas City Chiefs style of offense where they're right. letting, the, letting the thing fly around the park.
0: And he spread it around to everybody, oh, yeah. which was awesome. I mean, how do, how do you try to keep anybody in check um, when he's doing that? So, yes, he was cooking. Uh... <laughs> but the, he
1: was cooking and the meal was rather good. Many, right. many bellies were fed. You talk about nine players that were able to get a catch a pass from him. Uh, DK Tyler had over 90 yards receiving, you know, Chris Carson, the work that he was doing in that first half in that screen game didn't look like the Falcons wanted to tackle him when he got nope. a full head of steam uh, coming up with two touchdown receptions. And I mean, what more can you say about the day that Russ had though? I mean, 30 of 30, 31 of 35, three mm. four TDs. I mean, it, that's as good as it gets. You know, you can't play much better than that. And to see the Seahawks going into halftime with that lead and then coming out in that third quarter, I think that's really what showed, oh, wow, this might be different. Now, it's only one week. Don't want to overreact. You know, it's, uh, it's a long season. and It is a marathon. But for them to, especially that fourth down call, to just go for it and throw it up to DK Metcalf, it, it looked like uh, the Let Russ Cook campaign might have been a, settling in at the VMAC, and they might have made some way there.
0: Yeah, I, I, I liked what they did, and the, the question is can they keep it up? Can they do it again this week against the Panthers in primetime where uh, the Seahawks have been very good under Pete Carroll? Ridiculous numbers in yes. in primetime. I, I, I can dial them up right here because there are – so many, I, I have not memorized them. I apologize. No, it's, um, it's
1: okay. We don't, we have, but, we, <laughs> you you don't need to memorize those all those numbers. Yeah, all the time. But
0: since 2010, I mean, I I, I, I do like these. I am impressed. Um, 10-4 and one on Sunday nights. 19 and three home record in prime time, and an NFL best 29-7 and one under the lights overall. Uh, since 2010. Um, but they're going to be missing uh, – that, that's always the interesting thing, the primetime games in Seattle with the fans and the fact that everybody had all day to get ready. They were just antsy by the time. I, I know you've seen it when you have that, that sweeping shot of the crazy fans and the noise they make and the 12-man flag goes up, the place goes absolutely nuts, and hopefully the Seahawks get a good start. That just kind of fuels them. That's just not going to be there.
1: That's going to be bizarre. Yeah, the the 12s will be at home. Pete Carroll was calling for them to uh, rock the house, wake the neighbors, uh, you know, yell at the top of their lungs from home because uh, due to COVID, fans, at least from the first three home games, will not be allowed at CenturyLink Field. And I do think it is a big, it's a big loss. You know, those primetime games, CenturyLink Field is one of the better home field advantages. At least we've known it to be one of the better home field advantages in the NFL, but there was something a little special about those primetime games. I think it really turned a corner when Russell Wilson entered the league in 2012. Heck, I think it was 2015 or so when the league stopped giving the Seahawks home primetime games, because like, Hey, all these games end up being blowouts. So let's put the yep. Seahawks on the road in prime exactly, time, you know, because yep. it was, whether it was the saints or the 49ers or the Packers or whoever you were entering into a buzzsaw, that' what was once Quest Field and now Link Field. And that has lessened a little bit. You know, we saw that close game with the Rams yesterday or last year, rather. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were down, I believe, in the fourth quarter against the Vikings before going on like a 21-0 run to end that game. But there is a little extra juice. And I know Pete Carroll says they don't like to make any game bigger than it is. That's why they perform well in big games, because they approach every single game like it is the Super Bowl. But there's a little extra something there. And I think the players uh, will, will miss it a little bit come Sunday night.
0: Yeah, and, you know, for a lot of these guys, think of Russell Wilson. I mean, all he has ever known across the board with fans is that they were packed into CenturyLink Field where they really don't ever have to advertise for tickets, right? I mean, it's always yeah. taken care of. I mean, I, I will be interested to hear what he has to say about that. Uh, after the game i mean i would imagine he'd say it's, it's weird i mean i know they don't like a lot of things to affect them and they kind of have to paint a picture of such as such but i mean it's just got to be it's going to have to be weird i know it was bizarre a lot of them said after the the games the the mock games they had um and, and just getting used to things but um to not have that noise on a, a game like that on a home opener uh, this is going to be weird for 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 everybody involved, and and I know it's changed stuff for us, like how we cover games and uh, how we you know used to enjoy you know if you, you had your player you'd go find them in the locker room while Pete and Russell were talking on this on the podium. We we kind of had a, a way we did things, and now that's going to be completely different as well. So. Uh, it's in flux for everything. Everybody's getting used to hopefully what's not a new normal. I like to call it the new temporary. Yeah. And then
1: <laughs> that's, that's that's what we're hoping. On. You know, it's funny because yeah. Russell Wilson spoke with the media today and once again, brought up the fact that when he used to play in minor league baseball, shout out to the tri city dust devils of the Northwest right. league. But he said that, Hey, I've, I've been used to playing in front of no fans, essentially, you know, <laughs> those, those minor league games, uh single, a, uh, short season baseball, there's not a ton of attendance there, you know. So, uh, those guys are used to kind of having to create their own energy. And Russell, you know, of course, he's gonna do that. And I mean, he attacks practice with that kind of mentality, you know, that it's fourth down in the Super Bowl. So, I think he'll be okay, he'll settle in. I think there'll be an initial shock when they run out onto the field of like, oh my gosh, this is usually like electric. But I think once the ball kicks off, it'll just be like any other football game, especially when they have a pretty formidable opponent in front of them in the New England Patriots.
0: Yeah, that that's for sure. It's uh, it, it's got to get, you know, past them pretty quick, right? They 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 have to realize, okay, this is how it is. We got to play. These guys are in our face, and I, I think that when you have a coach like a Pete Carroll, when you have a guy that's bringing the juice, anyways, and he's the oldest coach in the NFL. Uh, you got to, you got to raise the level a little bit too. So, uh, I'll, I'll miss it. I'll, I'll miss that. You know, we, we've gotten no fans over the years There or definitely a lot of characters. Uh, mama blue, of course, uh, one of the legendary Seahawks fans. Yeah. I know she's right now going through a battle with pancreatic cancer. So our best out to her, um, you know, those people that we've become accustomed to seeing at home games or on the road, um, you know, they're all going to be in this new temporary as well. And I'm sure a lot of folks, Maybe that energy around the force field of Seattle could, could be, you yeah. know, sent towards central link field. <laughs> we'll, well, we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, Cam Newton, he's going to bring a whole different dynamic to the Patriots team. They used to have the stick figure back there and Tom Brady throwing, right? So, I mean, he's going to run the ball, and they ran a lot last week. Yeah. And um, I, I think they know what they're doing. What was it uh, – I think Art Teal was talking to Bobby Wagner yesterday. He talked about how Michael Bennett said – did you hear that?
1: I, d- how- I did hear that. It's like, <laughs> it's like tagging Cam on a tree. Newton.
0: It was tagging in a tree. I thought that was hysterical. Uh, I mean,
1: so- everyone who says it – and I've never seen Cam Newton in person. But everyone who's seen him in person says he is a massive human. And you see it on the field. I mean, he's a he quarterback, is. but he look, he's the size of a defensive end. You know, it's like like he's bigger than Bruce Irvin. He's bigger than Benson Mayo. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like like this guy is six foot five, 245 pounds or so. Pretty agile, can run. And he just stands back there and it just looks like a mountain of a man. And he's going to be coming downhill and it's going to require Bobby Wagner. uh, It's going to require KJ Wright, Jamal Adams. You know, It's going to require a lot of people to bring that guy down because as we saw in that first game against the Dolphins, I mean, he went 15 carries for 75 yards and two touchdowns. It, mm-hmm. After having two years of battling injuries, he looked, at least with his legs, like his old self. Now, the throwing, that's probably still going to kind of keep coming along. He was very efficient, 15 of 19 for 155, but it didn't call for him to throw very much against the Dolphins because for the most part, they were in control of that game from start to finish. But Cam Newton is, uh, he's a lot to, to, a lot to handle. And the Seahawks have had some fun battles against him, whether it be in the playoffs or in the regular season. And I look forward to another fun one uh, under the lights there at Century Link.
0: You're, you're totally right though, Femi, on until you see him in person. And, you know, TV kind of doesn't do a lot of things justice, especially in football. If you're watching a game on yeah, the sideline, how hard these guys hit and, and, and the impact of what's I mean, it's, it's like playing Call of Duty. You know, there's, there's a desensitization that comes along with watching it in football. You just don't get it unless you're right in it. You know what I mean? That you, from a distance. And that's through no fault of anyone watching. It just, it is what it is. But when you're there and you see it and then you see a dude. Like Cam Newton, as big as he is. (laughs) And you're right. It's going to have to be some serious gang tackling, group tackling, getting him low, stopping those legs. Um, Yeah. So,
1: what what were your thoughts of the Patriots? And just, I don't know if you got a chance to watch maybe some highlights of the game or able to kind of get some little snippets here and there. But it was kind of interesting because I didn't know if they were going to run him as often early on, but they really just took the. The training wheels offensive camp go be you.
0: Right. I I thought I wasn't surprised because I, I feel like he is out to prove something. I feel like he got a raw deal 100%. in North Carolina and and moved on. I think they had a new coach there. They just wanted to go in a different direction. Um he's a phenomenal athlete but what I what I thought was interesting is some of the highlights that maybe you saw too is that him and the offensive coordinator Josh McDaniel seemed to be you know getting along really well very well on the same page. And if you go back to what McDaniels did when he was in Denver, when he traded back into the first round, he took Tim Tebow. Yep. And that was a big franchise move. And so you take a guy like Tim Tebow, you're going to start designing a lot of run plays. So now you have a guy, and all due respect to Tim Tebow, the Heisman winner, you have a guy that's probably two to three times the athlete Tim Tebow was on the NFL level. And maybe you could take some of those concepts that he was wishing to succeed in Denver and apply them with Cam Newton and a, and a run and pass balanced offense. And let's do it. I mean, Josh McDaniels, he's he's probably like, wow, I got somebody that can actually do this and it's hard to get down and it's probably going to work. And it did, but it's weird seeing the Patriots run with the quarterback, you know, after all those years, um, but, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that they ran as, as much as they did because I, I think Cam Newton's out to prove something, which then parlays itself to a Sunday night game with everybody watching.
1: Oh, you know, not, yeah. not,
0: not many people watch the, the Dolphins no. and Patriots because <laughs> region, regional, right? This is the game. So how hard is he going to be trying and, and how hard is he going to be running? Um, I, I think we're in for a show from both quarterbacks. We probably end up being a pretty high scoring
1: game. I think Josh McDaniels is in heaven. Like right. you've mentioned it right there. When he drafted Tim Tebow, first of all, he arrived in Denver and immediately traded Jay Cutler. Like, right. <laughs> like, like it was a very bold move at the time. And he goes ahead. He drafts Tim Tebow. This has been his dream. I believe to run an offense with a dual threat quarterback. And, Obviously, no disrespect to Tom Brady, probably the greatest quarterback of all time. Okay, hit McDaniels and Brady and Belichick had tons of success. You know, multiple Super Bowls, number one seeds, Super Bowl appearances. You know, everybody knows the list of their accomplishments. But I think deep down, McDaniels has always wanted to run this kind of offense. I think he's believes that it creates it stresses a defense out. I think the Seahawks have seen that, what Russell Wilson's ability to move, and they don't run Russell Wilson on QB power or anything like that, but just him being able to create with his legs, how that can stress the defense out. So I think McDaniels has always seen it as, because when you have that running quarterback, it is an additional blocker. Because now, because usually on run plays, the defense doesn't need to account for the quarterback if the quarterback can't run. But if the quarterback can run, now that running back is not getting the ball, the quarterback keeps it, and the running back is now an additional blocker. It's a numbers game. So, you know, I think that they've always wanted to do this. It's been an experiment that they have never been able to try since Tom Brady, not known for his mobility, uh, especially at the age that he is at now at 43. And I think as the season goes on, we're going to see more and more added to what they do because Cam Newton signed there. I believe it was late May or early June when he signed with the Patriots, won the job in training camp rather easily from what the report said. And I think we're just going to, I think we're just scratching the surface of what this Patriots team uh, can do. And I think the Seahawks are very lucky to catch them early on the the flip, It's almost like a double-edged sword because on the flip side, it's like you see them early. So you don't know entirely what they're going to do. And there's that surprise element. But I think on the other side, they don't have as much continuity Mm -hmm. together. So they're going to keep, building and i think the patriots you see now are going to be much different than the patriots you see in november december
0: yeah well said and if you want to look forward in another realm as far as the seahawks go the way they play cam newton while he's probably not as fast as kyler murray can maybe test their blueprint for how they're going to go up against one of the faster better running quarterbacks in the nfl twice a year coming up later on this season kyler murray's very
1: scary (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, you, you might as well get used to it now and start putting some of those concepts in place uh, and and see how your speed benefits you because that's what Pete talked about yesterday. Like the speed of his defense is what he really likes. They they got faster. Well, that speed is going to be needed not only this week but a, a, against a guy like a, a Kyler Murray, who I think looked fabulous against the 49ers in the, in the plays I saw.
1: Yeah, I think the speed, the physicality, Bobby and Pete Carroll said we're we want to send the message that we want to knock the hell out of you you know right we, we I want love that to be, we yeah, want that to great. be the message on tape and yeah. that physicality is needed especially when you're facing a quarterback like Cam Newton I mean we talked about the offensive side of the ball for the Patriots the defensive side of the ball I mean this is one of the top defenses last year the reigning defensive player of the year is that cornerback in Stephon Gilmore Their secondary Mm -hmm. is probably still the best in the league. I know Seahawks fans might argue that they might think that the Seahawks have the best secondary, but as of right now, I think it still is New England with what they're able to do with their guys, McCourty, Gilmore, JC Jackson. Uh, It's a really talented crew, and they're led by probably the best defensive coach of all time in Bill Belichick. Uh, It's it's a tough, tough group to go against, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see the Seahawks offense, especially this new kind of aggressive style of offense that they're playing go up against probably the best passing defense the league has to offer.
0: Yeah. And the Patriots are just always there every year because they do everything consistently. And that's just what their defense is. They're not flashy. They're not, they just get the job done. They just make it hard for you to play your game and stick to your concepts because like you said, it's, it's, it's the Belichick influence influence. Um, so it should, should be a fun fun game on, on Sunday I, night, that's I, for sure.
1: I'm very curious how Belichick approaches this game because everyone always says Belichick likes to take something away from you. He wants to make you play left-handed. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Belichick is going to almost go light in the box to bait the Seahawks into running the football more. Like, mm. that's what I've, I've been curious about that all week just to see how they game plan it. Because, you know, when he goes up against these – really good quarterbacks he tries to bait them into running the ball more because you know when you're facing russell wilson or patrick mahomes or back in the day peyton manning or drew Brees or one of those guys they're the guys that can hurt you the most and no offense to chris carson but i'm more concerned about what russell wilson can do than what chris carson can do and knowing what we know about pete carroll and knowing that he loves to run the football as much as they were letting Russ cook last Sunday in Atlanta. We know what Pete Carroll's DNA is. I wonder if they're going to try to maybe go light in the box and go seven, possibly even six in the box to bait Seattle into running the football and using longer drives in hopes of maybe a penalty can kind of get them behind the sticks. And then they can kind of let their pass defense do its work.
0: Hmm. Or, and if you're a Seahawks, do you run a lot of play action and incorporate your tight ends more? Yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, is that could, could that be an answer? And could could they also be thinking the same way? I mean, what's what's it's, what's Schottenheimer's approach, right?
1: It is going to be a very fascinating chess match. Anytime you play Belichick, expect the unexpected. I think is the best thing to do because in terms of yeah. schematics and how he approaches the game, he is untouched and bar none the best that I think the game has ever seen. So it could be a really, really fun chess match. And Sch- Schottenheimer better bring his lunch pail is what I'm saying, is that yep. he better be willing to adjust, willing to adapt, and just willing to just try whatever, because I know Belichick is probably going to he- – he's going he's gonna to throw you some curveballs. He's going to throw some off-speed pitches to try to get you off balance.
0: Yeah, and I, I I've always said I would love to – be allowed to sit in a room with a coach as they go through tape and get their game plan ready and see all those things that they see. You know what I mean? In preparation. And it would be a fascinating week to be in each room, wouldn't
1: it? Oh, my God. Listen
0: to Belichick. Listen to Schottenheimer. I, I
1: I would pay so much money to listen to Belichick just go through a game plan about how he wants to attack an offense. Like that that would be so much fun to me. Like it's super football geeky nerd stuff, but yeah. I think it would be a lot of fun just to see just kind of peeling back the layer of what his football brain comes up with.
0: I uh, I once on a different level, I once asked Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> I said, <laughs> Could I ever like come in and watch tape and like how you prepare and like how you exploit weaknesses and what you go through for like an opponent? He goes. You mean like like that week's opponent? Yeah. He goes no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I'd expect from a football coach. <laughs>
0: it's like no, that's no, just not. Because there there's things that they see and the tape. That's when 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 you listen to someone say, "Well, I looked at the tape. I went back. I watched it. Like they're not just watching it like we watch it. No. I mean, there it's it's so many little things that they pick up on, which is why they're at the highest level of their especially in the NFL oh. highest level of what they do because they can they can find those weaknesses or what they think are weaknesses exploit them and win and that that's their challenge each week and so the whole I still love Remember, uh, who was the guy? Was it Sable? Yes. He used to do a lot of the tape stuff. Yeah. I used to turn that stuff on and get lost. Like, oh, wow. You you can learn so much when you watch those shows.
1: It is a totally different sport watching from a broadcast angle compared to the all-22 angle. And any fans Mm -hmm. who might be listening, if you have the means to afford it, NFL Game Pass, I don't know how much it is. I think it's about 100 bucks for an entire year or so. And you can watch any game broadcast of any game dating back to 2009 it's really cool and uh what you can kind of you can go into deep dive archives of classic games and all that stuff but for the current games they have the all 22 video available yeah. and if you ever go and watch that you're getting the angles high above and the end zone angle so you get two different angles of each play in the game and it is like watching a totally different sport you pick up on so much more than when you are watching the broadcast angle, because when you're watching the broadcast angle, you're following the ball by and large. But right. when you watch that all twenty two angle, it's it's almost like it honestly looks like a different sport.
0: Yep, and it'd be interesting to to watch that and and watch a guy like a Jamal Adams who was lined up all over the field last week. If you uh, did you see that Heat Metrics map of like where he was. Oh on the gosh. different plays, I mean, it just—it was like a splatter. It was all over. <laughs> and, and, but that's why—that's
1: why you gave up the two first-round picks, and, right. and and are probably going to have to give up also a very lucrative contract extension uh, in about eleven months or so. Is because Jamal Adams is a great player. He is an elite player. You know, he's twenty-four. It, it, he's only twenty-four years old. He's very he's twenty-four. Young. He's an elite yep. player. He brings a juice to the building, to the team, and. You can play him all over the place. You can play him in the back end, in the middle of your defense, off the edge. He's going to live in the backfield and make plays and find the football. And that's what the Seahawks wanted. And he adds that team speed. He plays fast. And it's just – you can see it's an infectious energy ever since he came to the Seahawks. That's really spread not only on the defense, but to the offense as well.
0: Yeah. I I, I think something you saw, though which everybody will get used to is that he was all over the place and he's all over the place so much that his teammates don't know where he is. And I think, you know, the play I was talking about when Shaq ran right into Jamal <laughs> yeah. on the Calvin Ridley touchdown. Cause when I look up and I see Ridley in the end zone, all oh, I'm like, okay, something failed there. Yep. How did that possibly happen that no one's even in the guy's area code. And then they go back and show the replay and Shaq bumped right into Jamal. I mean, so I think those are things that maybe they'll figure out more this week, because you know he is like a Swiss army knife of sorts, but he's all over the place I've, i I've not seen a Seahawk player like that no. i mean it- Earl, Earl Earl was fast, he had the closing speed, but he didn't have he didn't play all over the place like Jamal does.
1: No, Uh, Jamal is more of like a Troy Polamalu type. Yes. Where he's just going to go all over. He's going to freelance. He's going to kind of break the rules of the defense just because off of instinct and off of film preparation, he believes, Hey, I'm going to trust my gut because I, in this formation, in this down and distance, this is what they do tendency wise. And I'm going to act on it. And sometimes, yeah, maybe it could get, it could get you burnt where you give up a big play. Or it could also get you that tackle for loss that you so desperately needed on third and two, you know. It's like that's just kind of the player that he is, and more often than not, he's right because he's put the work in and he has great football instincts, and that's why he's one of the best playmakers on defense in the league.
0: Yeah, I I can't wait to see what he does this week. That that that'll that'll be fun. Um, but I gotta I gotta change change directions on you because of what just happened. Okay. <laughs> if if you're okay with that.
1: That's okay. Uh, we can, we, we're always maneuvering, you know. We're, we're, we're trying to channel our inner Jamal Adams. I, I, because, well, and
0: on Jamal Adams, it's a great spot. But, no, just because I'm looking up and, you know, uh, I'm a baseball fan. And I, I am living for the day we see the Mariners in the World Series. And I, I, I hope I make it. Um, <laughs> but, we're, we're all going to make it, Mike. What, what about this, Femi? they're in the hunt they're gaining on the Astros and this bizarro 2020 season where they're supposed to come home and face a tough Giants team at home where they're supposed to face a tough Padres team at home they get smoked out have to travel the day of the game go play two in San Fran as a home team and then today they find out they have to go down to San Diego for the weekend series because their quality is so crappy up here and then they lose to San Fran and they're fading fast uh even though they're two games behind the Astros. I mean, this in this crazy shortened season where they traded away everybody, but they're still on the hunt for that second spot where sixteen teams make the postseason, it just seems like like God hates the mariners.
1: <laughs> I mean we're we're talking about the longest playoff drought in North American sports. And uh. Like you said, it just feels like they're just <laughs> cursed for some reason. But, I mean, let's be fair. Playoffs was not the expectation this year. The fact that we're in the hunt and talking about that is it, right. is, a, it is a bonus. Now, the, maybe there's some sort of juju going on to ensure <laughs> that they don't make the playoffs. Uh. And uh, if it's going on, it's very successful because you laid it out there perfectly. The road traveled will be a very tough one. It was already looking difficult before. Right. We, the and air we talked quality. about
0: that last week, right? Yes. We talked about it like what a tough challenge it would be with the teams they had to face, and not all Texas.
1: And and now you're going on the road to face all those teams, and who knows when you'll come back home. Because and, yeah. you know the air quality they say is supposed to get better this weekend. So hopefully they're able to play that Houston series. At home, it sounds. It looks like there will be, but that's the one right there is the Astros series. You know,
0: that's head to head. Head to
1: head. If you, oh, could you? If if you're two games back in that one, if you can take two out of three, I mean, gosh, that really cranks up the heat on the Astros. And if you if you are able to pull off a sweep, you're in the driver's seat with six games to go, and left in the season. Mm -hmm. So however many games it would be left. So, I think that's the one that everyone's circling. If the Mariners can kind of survive this. San Francisco-San Diego trip and they're still on the hunt, it can make mm-hmm. for a really, really, really cool series at T-Mobile. We're crossing our fingers. Uh, right. Next
0: week. Beginning Monday, yeah. And and the, the funny thing, because you, you imagine if all of a sudden, you know, Sunday night, the skies open up and it's just blue and it's, sun you know, sunset for the 520 Seahawks game and the air is wonderful and, you know, the week's looking better and then all of a sudden Mariners have to go to Houston for a three-game. Oh my
1: this year. gosh! <laughs> that uh, how awful would that be? Yeah, that would, that like, would just that would be. I, it. I would be like
0: raising the white flag from the a, a, a place day.
1: that is the house of horrors for the Mariners. Uh, they won once in like the last twenty-four months at Minute Maid Park, and for your season to come down to having to go back when you thought you were in the clear for the rest of the season. That would uh that would certainly be a, a punch to the gut there.
0: I, I have to admit something. You know, the um uh Houston's gonna be one of the little bubble sites yeah. for the playoffs. And we had to do uh when that came out this week, I did a story and and I had the various stadiums. And you know how our time is so, you know, short, right, during our newscast. You try to squeeze everything in, but I they they had video of Globe Life, which is where the World Series would be. So I have to show that, and then they had the other stadiums, which include San Diego and Los Angeles. <laughs> and I didn't even, I I just I just didn't have it in my heart to put Houston on there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just was like, I'm not even showing
1: that House of Horrors. It's the, it's the House it of it Horrors, man. Yeah, it's it, just it's a where, bad. It's where Mariner dreams go to die. Oh, man. Gosh,
0: <laughs> but brutal. the team
1: has been fun. Kyle Lewis. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if he can maybe get rookie of the year. I know Luis Robert over at the White Sox has had a heck of a season, too. Probably coming down to those two guys would be my guess. Uh, Yeah, he should. I I think Kyle Lewis has been kind of start to finish the most consistent rookie in the American League. So the future catch
0: against the A's, right? That was unbelievable. The,
1: the, oh my gosh. What a catch that was. The future yeah. is bright for this Mariners team. I know Mariner fans are sick of hearing that. They said, Hey, we've been rebuilding since Oh one, or we've been rebuilding since whatever. But I think the future really is bright with what you have in that, especially in that outfield. Uh, it's going to be a young, exciting team. If those arms down at the alternate training site can, uh, get ready and come through for you. If you can get at least a couple of those guys to kind of maybe be a top line guy or so, uh, Mm-hmm. You might have something really interesting, especially with where the Astros are at, with having to pay some guys here pretty soon this uh, free agency.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're looking for your starter, you're, you're the guy that could probably unseat Marco Gonzalez as your opening day guy if you want to look that far ahead. And you know what? That's 2021. That's the year of optimism. So it let's is. go ahead and look at that. Is Logan Gilbert maybe your opening day starter? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, that guy's throws gas. He showed it in the workouts. Uh, it, it, if he can stay healthy, you know, it's never been really a great, you know, for whatever reason. Mariners' stud starters, high draft picks. You know, if you go back to Danny Holton, James Paxton, yeah, uh, Ty, know, Ty, Ty Walker, Ty, Ty Walker, who who I think was coming around, you know, yeah. before they traded him, and he's a guy that could come back.
1: Oh, I hope I he mean, does because he was if really. They see like, him. He looked like he was really finding his own after having tommy john surgery
0: yeah and i think he was i think he's comfortable here i think people really like him here i think you know this is a unique market and, and when you get a taste of other places where you see it on the on the on the football side with bruce Irvin and uh and benson coming back you know
1: yeah
0: uh, you definitely have guys that realize seattle a pretty cool place to come be an athlete
1: so there it is, Mariner fans. Twenty twenty-one playoffs. We're calling. it.
0: There you go. <laughs> it'll be <a> th- <laughs> thanks it, for letting it, me go off be, there.
1: It'll be twenty years from since the last oh. playoff birth when that was a heck of a season in 01. I still remember it being uh, just a young one, <laughs> but uh, yep. it was uh, it was a lot of fun with that team. And I mean, I always tell my girlfriend Liz about that year. I was, I was like, I'm telling you, Liz, you don't believe me, but in the early two thousands, when I was a kid the mm-hmm. Mariners were the biggest deal in town. It wasn't the Seahawks, yep. you know, and like, like in the late nineties, it was the Sonics because they were Peyton and Kemp. And then the mm-hmm. Mariners took over after Kemp left, uh, you know, Vin Baker had that one good season, but then they kind of fell off the map after that. And then the, yep. the Mariners took the throne and the Seahawks were just kind of muddling along as this struggling team. And nobody really cared. They were playing at Husky stadium after all oh, yep. blew up yep. and stuff like that. Like, It it, it was not a Seahawks town. And then, you know, when Holmgren, when they really got it cranking up with Hasselbeck and Alexander and those guys, Walter Mm -hmm. Jones and the crew, uh, that's when it really kind of shifted towards being a Seahawks town. But I remember it as a kid. This was Soto Mojo was what everybody was saying. And with, I mean, growing up, I mean, think about the stars that were on this team with Griffey and A-Rod,
0: Randy Randy Johnson,
1: you know. Like
0: and in 01, they had nine, all-stars. nine All Stars. Nine, they, it, they it came was, here. It was yeah. crazy. Like this, yep. this
1: town had Ichiro fever. Like, it was yeah. insane. And, yeah,
0: chasing George Sisler's record. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, everybody's watching. 116 wins that year. 116 100, wins. There, there was not an empty seat in the ballpark. It was I, – I think it was awesome.
1: they showed some of those games during the peak of the pandemic when nothing was on TV. And it right. was, like, almost startling. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I do remember it was sold out at then Venco- Safeco Field. Like, it was mm-hmm. – Oh, yeah. Everybody yeah. was just fired up, and this team was just – they were the toast of the town. And the young people who might be listening to this, they're not going to believe a single word of what we're saying. <laughs> but <laughs> I lived it. I saw it. And yep. It can happen again. Well, I don't know if they can unseat the Seahawks, but it can happen to where I think the excitement reaches at a high level with this Mariners club.
0: It would be cool. And it is there's a certain electricity that comes along with postseason baseball. Yeah, uh, because it's not just one game. It's kind of days of it, you know, uh, leading up to it. Um, if, if it's beyond the wild card, if you're in the ALCS and, uh, divisional series. Um, but yeah, it's, it's special. It could be a a definite baseball town when that place is packed. And we used to be down there all the time doing live shots, uh, on that, of that, 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 that's how old I am in comparison. You were a little kid and I was down there (laughs) doing live shots. So figure that part out. Uh, (laughs) so yeah, it was, um, it was something and I'm hoping we, we get back there again. That'd be that'd be pretty cool.
1: That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh before we wrap things up, I know we're getting close yeah. here to uh you gotta go on do the T V thing. But uh, I want a prediction. last week I think I think okay. you're ahead. I... So you're you're ahead. We'll do this. We'll have each week we'll pick the Seahawk game. Right yep. now you're up one nothing. I picked them to lose because I was stupid. Uh, you want the you,
0: scores you, from last week? <laughs> you picked them. I wrote them down. Oh, you wrote
1: the. I think I was 27-24 Falcons, I believe.
0: You were. And I was 33-27.
1: Wow. So,
0: yeah. I was, don't, I was. Don't listen
1: to me, folks. Yep.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> listen to Femi because I stink at predictions. That's my. That might be the best <laughs> prediction I've ever made. All right, then. So this week, what are you going to do?
1: This week, I mean, let's hope I'm not some sort of jinx here, but <laughs> this week, at home, under the lights, there's no 12s. But I think the 12s, the energy across the region, in the state, in the city, I think it somehow gets its way to CenturyLink Field. I yeah. believe the Seahawks have just enough with it being the first home game for Jamal Adams, with Russ being dominant at home since he's entered the league in 2012. Give me the Seahawks to win the game. Give me Seahawks twenty-seven, Patriots
0: twenty-three. Oh, that's close.
1: We got the Seahawks starting the year off two and zero.
0: Wow! All right, I like that. I am with you again in the victory formation.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Best
0: formation in sports, <laughs> it is. Uh, I, I like the Seahawks, though. Isn't the is
1: the over fifty on this? Uh, let me check on that here, real quick. I, I don't yeah. know. Pull up,
0: For some reason, pull I think I heard the over we... was fifty.
1: There's a place where that's because a, it's actually, I heard that it's actually 44 and a half, is what I'm saying. So they're expecting kind of a moderate to lower scoring game, maybe respect for both defenses.
0: Hmm. I am gonna go over that though. I, I just when I heard, I, I thought maybe it was maybe my the own the over in my mind was 50. Um, I am gonna go 31 Seahawks, 27 Patriots.
1: Wow. We we both have four point games, and what do you know? It's a three and a half to four point spread, Mike.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean they're right there.
1: But I I, I think I think
0: I think it's going to be a cool night for the quarterbacks to see what these guys can do because you got, you know, I won't say angry Cam Newton, but I motivated that's motivated. Highly motivated. And Russ just rises to the occasion on Sunday nights. This is what he does. You know, I, I always remember that one Thanksgiving when they ate the turkey legs at the Niner Stadium, that was just Russell Wilson and Richard Sherman at the time. And that is just a guy that savors that primetime moment that just rises to the occasion. I mean, he does every week, but especially in those games. And it was to me, it's, it, 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 there's been no let up since they ate those, those turkey legs. <laughs> <laughs> so the the tryptophan fan did not kick in.
1: Uh, no, for no. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. But I, I think, I think we're going to see a fun game Sunday night football. Um, It's such a bummer. The fans can't be there because when the schedule came out, that was the game that everyone was, yep. Ooh, that's going to be good. And you know, Seahawks Patriots, they always play good games, especially when those games are on NBC. For some reason, we work in an ABC station, so we're not going to promote NBC, but um, I mean the last game that they played in Foxborough and in the Super Bowl, both those came down to the wire on the goal line uh, with the Seahawks winning the one in Foxborough and the Patriots winning, I guess, the ultimate one. But uh, it's it's going to be a really, really fun battle. Two well-coached teams, two really good quarterbacks. And uh, I guess we'll see what happens come uh, Sunday yeah. evening. Do
0: you remember that one time when they played in Foxborough about, what, three, four years ago? That was when Earl ended Gronkowski's season. Yep, And then that was the – the best game of CJ Proceis' NFL life.
1: <laughs> he looked so good in that game. Yeah, yeah. which everybody's like, oh, I could see it. And yeah, nothing ever that happened That was the again. game that showed – yeah, okay, this is why they keep hanging on. Right, oh. Yeah. All right, I get John it. John Schneider was smart. <laughs> yeah, nope. and yeah. he was never to be seen ever. Again.
0: <laughs> He's on the side of a milk carton. Where's yeah. CJ Proceis? Still looking
1: out for him. There's an Amber Alert. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll try to end on a good note and not make fun of CJ Side. No, <laughs> but uh, but I'm APB for a uh, missing running back. <laughs> 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 I think we can end on that, <laughs> That's end funny. On that one. Uh, hopefully we're not on the side of a milk carton. Femi and Ferrari, Uh Subscribe, rate, and review, Mike. It was fun <laughs> as always. And uh, we'll do it again next week to recap what yep. happened Sunday night and to look ahead oh, is great. at yep. next Sunday's game, which will be against the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. That's my team, Mike, so I'll have a lot of insight on. on that one.
0: All right, buddy. <laughs> All right. We'll talk soon. Always All right, fun. Thanks. Bye.